Because of the following special program, WKRP in Cincinnati and Lou Grant will not be presented this evening. Both comedies will return next Sunday at the regular times on most of these stations. This program is sponsored in part by Kit Kat. If you're the mood for something chocolatey, you should be Kit Kat. That's what you want. Prepare yourself for an in-depth examination of something mundane from Icy Robot's day-to-day existence. Welcome to This Boring Life. Hey guys, what's up? It is me, Icy Robots, and we are about to embark upon a new adventure, a new journey. This is This Boring Life, where I will I will tell you about some of the mundane things from my life. It's going to be Stories about things that I enjoy, things that I love, things that are important to me but might be, you know, sort of the mundane nature. It's not going to be so much adventures, it's just going to be me talking about things, things I dig. For example, on this episode right here, I'm going to talk about dogs. I am going to go through and I'm going to tell you my entire history with dogs and uh, I think I can keep it entertaining, so... Don't feel like it's going to be weird. Don't feel like it's going to be long. Don't feel like it's going to be boring. It's going to be cool. Especially if uh, you are a canine aficionado like myself. So, I don't know. Let's get popping. Let's get cracking. Let's get moving with the show. I I love dogs. I am a dog dude to the core. Right now, I have, I have three dogs. I have had dogs just about my entire life. There have been... There've been periods where I didn't have one, but that was just kind of kind of a brief brief period as opposed to the the massive times in my life in which, you know, I've been sharing my uh sharing my couch with a dog. Um I grew up in my younger years in Illinois in a town called Oaklawn and we had a dog. My folks had a dog when I was a small baby. I don't know the name of this guy. I have no idea, but when I was a kid, when I was small, they would they would keep him outside, chained in the backyard uh, when he wasn't in the house because the back fence was open. You could just you could flee, so they they had to keep him on you know on, on a tether, so he uh would you know so he'd be safe. You got to keep your dogs in a protected area because they don't understand the outside world as much as we do, and they could just wander in front of a car. They could wander off and get lost. So they kept the dog uh. They kept the dog on the on the rope, and one day they put me out in the yard, and I, I was wandering about, and I remember going up to the dog, and I wanted to play with it, and, you know, I'm petting it, and he got super excited, and he started going around, going around in circles, and before you know it, I was, uh, I was wrapped in his rope, and after a few more rotations, it got around my neck, and the dog kept pulling and pulling, and... I, you know, I started, I started to get suffocated. I was a small kid. I can remember this distinctly, like, uh, trying to get my fingers into the ropes and just not being able to, and that would have been it, man. That was curtains for your boy, but, um, my parents were watching through the window, and they ran out, and they were able to, uh, you know, get me free and save my life. I, I think I might have gone out for a second, but they were able to save my life, and, as sad as it was, they decided that they should probably get rid of the dog. And uh, I think that's, you know, not really the right move. But they they saw that there might be danger between the two of us. And 
I don't know, maybe at the time they weren't so attached to the dog, so they gave it to, um, they gave it to a relative who lived out of state, and that was that, and then the second encounter I remember having with a dog, these, these are just like the early, uh, you know, times that I ran into dogs when I was a kid, another one that I distinctly remember was I was over at my aunt's, at my aunt's house, and she had a dog named Jerome, and Jerome was like a big, fuzzy dog. I don't know, uh, what you would call it. It was like a giant, compared to me, I was, you know, like I was six, five or six, and the dog was like about as big as I was. It had, uh, really, uh, long hair that, uh, covered its body and came down the sides, and they, they had Jerome, and I, I was always skeptical of this dog. It would, it would growl at me when they weren't around and would show me its teeth. It might have been, you hear how dogs can sense fear. And when they sense fear, it kind of pushes them onto the offensive. And that could be, that could be the case here. I don't know. But Jerome would always, would always show me his teeth. And then one day, they uh, they had uh, kind of a, a sealed-in porch. And they put me out there with Jerome. And I, I'm very, um, I'm un, uh, you know, I don't know what happened exactly. But I went... I went to pet the dog, and he latched onto my arm, just like, Kah! and he had me good. I was bleeding. I still have a small mark from that, and I started screaming, and my aunt came out, and she saved me from uh, Wicked Jerome, but man, he really, uh, he was doing a number on me. He had my arm, and I remember being on the ground, like, holding him back with, you know, w- w- with what he had it, because he was trying to come forward and get me, and, uh, I don't remember what happened exactly, but I do not, I don't remember ever seeing Jerome again, and I don't know if they got rid of Jerome, or if we just, you know, stopped going over there when they were there, because when I said it was my aunt's house, it was actually uh, my grandmother's house, my aunt was just staying there, so she wasn't there all the time with her dog, and it may have been that they kept the dog at their permanent residence and just didn't bring it around anymore, or... It could be that they got rid of the dog. I don't know and I don't want to ask because I I don't want to feel guilty. But these are the early uh, run-ins I recall. And when I when I think back and remember how scared I was, it's it's interesting to think that I did eventually become, you know, sort of a, a dog aficionado. At at this point, though, I was I was into cats. I You know how it is when you're small and you don't really... Uh, like, you don't have the time to put in to have a good pet because you're doing stuff, but you still want to get some kind of, some kind of affection from an animal, so you, you, you tend to like cats. At least that's what I see in 2.0, and I see in younger people. As you get older, it's like you have more time to put out, you know, you, you are more capable of taking care of something that requires more care, like a dog. So you move on to dogs. At least, at least I did, but at this point, I, I was into cats, and... I had a cat uh, that went by the name of Hissy because she would hiss a lot. She would throw hissy fits. And this is, we traveled back in time. This is back when we were in Illinois. I had this uh, cat named Hissy that I I really uh, did care about. And during the course of moving to California and Hissy got left behind. I don't know the full details and I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to ask, but as I understand it, we, this part I do know, we moved here to California ahead of my father. He stayed behind and he did the final moving and the final packing and all that stuff with my uncle and some other people that they knew. And 
they weren't able to capture Hissy, so she was left behind. It's not how I would do it. I would find some way to get the cat. This is me. I have kind of a soft spot for animals, and I would have I would have found some way to do it, but this was a different time, different generation of people, and Hissy got left behind. I remember this, like, so distinctly. My father was behind, you know, doing all the trip packing and whatnot, and it was a couple weeks that we were here, and, you know, I missed him. He, he's my dad, and I was, I was really waiting for the, uh, the truck to arrive with him and with Hissy, and it was nighttime when they rolled up, and I found out that the cat wasn't with him, and I, you know, I, I broke down into tears. I was a wussy kid, and I, I just, I really lost it. I cried for days and days and days, but to help alleviate my pain, they got me a dog. I guess they didn't think that I was ready to have another cat, or more, more likely, they weren't even too concerned about it, and somehow they had the opportunity to come up on a dog, but come up, they did, and they got me a, uh, a dog named Babe. Babe was an Australian Shepherd. She was of the blue and black variety. And she had two different color eyes. One blue, one brown. I hadn't, like, had my own dog before. And she was a truly great dog. When we got her, I'm thinking she was maybe four or five years old. I, I wonder, I don't know the circumstances in which... She came to be ours. I remember my mom told me somebody was getting rid of her. And I guess she also had a soft spot. But I don't know the the details of, you know, how the person came to the decision to get rid of such a cool dog. But they did. And their loss was our gain. Babe was really great. She already came. She came trained, which is sweet. You know, she would go to the bathroom outside. She would come when you called her. She would walk along with you and I really 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 cared about this dog she was just so smart we would spend a lot of time together she slept in my bed with me she was she was one of uh one of the best she was one of the all-time greats uh we moved from the house that we lived in initially initially we lived with my grandmother and then we uh moved and got our own place we our stay with them was brief I think it was just transitional but we we got our own place over uh, in the neighborhood I live in, uh, you know, even to this day. Not, you know, right near, but near enough. And this place had a smallish backyard. It was quite small. When we were living with my grandparents, it was it was like an acre. And it was, you know, a nice yard. And uh, I would play with Babe out there a lot. But when we moved, our new place did not have anywhere near the space that we had before and there was there was like a common area where you could hang out and I would take the dog and I would play with her there and there was like a a field up down the street that I would play in the field was really great it was a big field by a creek we would build tree houses and forts and hang out in the creek and stuff it was a place where we spent a lot of time there are houses they're now like crummy looking townhouses even not even like dope houses of any sort so that field is gone most of the fields I feel probably for the same way for you guys as well most of the fields that we uh used to hang out with in our youth are probably now houses uh the high school where 2.0 goes that used to be a giant vacant lot where people would fly kites I don't know if you remember these kind of kites they were like red and they were you know like uh like circles and they were a bunch of circles tied together and they would uh you know 
end up uh, looking like a dragon. Like the front circle would be big with the face, and then there'd be some strings, smaller circles, smaller circles, all the way down to a tail. People would fly these dragon kites. It gets windy around here sometimes. They would use that field to fly their dragon kites. But now it's the high school. I guess that's okay. What are you going to do? Um, anyway, I would, you know, I'd play with her a lot in the common area, and I would take her for walks around the neighborhood. That was always fun. I Even today, I enjoy walking a dog. But uh, one day, one day we were out, and my younger brother left the back gate open, and Babe got out of our yard. And we had been there already for a few years, and she knew, she knew the lay of the neighborhood. This is all, I still can't figure this one out to today, but... He left the back gate open, and, uh, Babe got out, and that was the last that we ever saw of her. We, we, I remember that night, I was, I was like, I was frantic, because we couldn't find her anywhere. We drove around, uh, the neighborhood really slow, like, all around the place for as far as we could ever imagine she would go. We drove around, you know, calling her name, and then, even after my parents gave up, me and my bro, uh, we rode our bikes around and we called her. Like, we covered a lot of ground. There just, there wasn't that many places she could go to. And then over the next few days, we uh, checked out the shelters. We were at the shelter all the time. And she just, she never turned up. She never turned up. It was, it was absolutely, it was heartbreaking, man. It was just devastating to me. I, I was in a funk for the longest time after that because I, I cared about her so much, and it was so mysterious the way she disappeared. She never appeared again. We put up posters. We had taken pictures of her because we cared about her. She was one of our friendly dog. We we put up posters, like, everywhere with, you know, offered a reward, and she was just gone. It was, I still, I still don't know where she went. It, like, when I told this story to uh, the old wife, she's thought that, she thought that somebody must have stolen her. And I'm just like, who would steal a dog? It seems so weird to me. She was a good dog, a smart dog, you know, a very kind, cool dog. But that's because, you know, we were her family. I don't think that she's like the kind of dog that you see on the street and you go, that's a valuable dog. I need to grab that dog. I, I don't, I don't know, man. It still, uh, still hurts to this day. It was such a, oh my gosh. I don't even like to think about it. Uh, that started kind of like a cycle again because I, I, I got out of dogs. It was too, um, it was too much for me to think about getting another dog. So I, uh, my parents got me a cat. I had a cat named Willie. Ended up having her for, geez, she, uh, you know, honestly, she, uh, went to be over 20 years old, which is, that's, you know, that's something. That's something for a cat. Uh, but it didn't, like, fill that need that a dog fills you know a dog gives you companionship in a way that a cat just can't they're not they're not the same thing cats are aloof and off-putting dogs you know you treat a dog nice you're kind to it and they will reward your kindness with even more kindness like if you give them you know 1.5 on the kindness factor they're giving you three and four back and hey man we all need uh we all need love what do you want me to say? It's true. And sometimes, you know, you get a lot of love from people, but you need, you know, you need that from a dog too. Sometimes you need that, uh, extra affection, man. It's like, you also need to give out that extra affection. I feel like with dogs, 
I got a, lo- a lot of love to give out. You know, I got extra love, and you can have it. And they say, hey, I have extra love, too. And they, they, they send it back my way. But um, we actually, we need to take a quick uh, commercial break. This is Don't Treat Your Puppy Like a Dog with the Try to Sell You on Puppy Food. I don't know, man. I've never had a puppy, but uh, what I have noticed is dogs eat whatever. You could just throw them whatever, and they'll eat it. I'm not saying whatever is good for them, because it's not. But, uh... Specialized dog food, never been into it, but you know, that's just me, man. Anyway, I'm I'm weird. So uh let's check it out. Be back in a sec. Mallory Sandler, don't treat your puppy like a dog. Hey, Alpha Psi, you're treating that puppy like a dog. Kit Miller, are you treating your puppy like a dog? Oh no. Dog food is for dogs. My puppy gets puppy food. Puppy Chow brand puppy food. I know puppies need more nutrition, and Purina Puppy Chow has it. Good for you, Kit Miller. No, good for him. Don't treat your puppy like a dog, dog, dog. Give him puppy chow. Now new and improved. So after a bit, uh, it became time to get another dog. We we were sort of, you know, a dog family. We had kind of always had one. So when we did, uh, you know, when we had the loss of Babe, there was a period where we didn't have one. I think everybody was a bit heartbroken, even if they weren't all showing it. But after a while, we decided it was time to get a new dog. We Headed out to the shelter in, uh, I think at the time the only one was in Runner Park. Not the only one, but there's there's a few more that have been built since then. But the, uh, Runner Park one? No, I think we went to the one in Sebastopol. If I'm, re- I can't remember exactly where, where we got her. But, uh, we went down to the pound to find the new dog. And I remember that day there was... There was, like, slim pickings, you know? There was a lot of scary dogs, a lot of weird dogs, and only one dog that we thought was acceptable. She was uh, an Airedale Terrier, which is kind of like a mid-sized, furry, curly-haired, kind of high-energy sort of thing. And I remember when we went to look, I really felt like we had to pick a dog this time, like this one time. We had to find something. And I know now that is not the right way to do it. You really have to, you know, you have to, to check in and check in again. And you want to, you really want to take your time and pick a dog that's going to be perfect for you. But I remember I, I felt like we were only going to go this one time and that I had to find a dog right now, right this minute. And this was the only dog in there that was, uh, seemed like a friendly kind of family dog that you'd, you'd want. but she was bouncing off the walls. She was just so energetic. But, it, you know, I thought that that was kind of cute. I remember thinking, that's really, you know, it's cool how uh, <laughs> how she's uh, leaping, like, directly up in the air. And she's running in circles. What a cool dog. She's going to be fun to play with. So, so we decided to pick this dog. And, you know, they go through the process where they give them shots. And they fix them and they do all that stuff. So you don't get the dog that day. So we, uh... Came back when the time was right, the dog was ripe, and we picked her up, and they left it up to me to give this dog a name. I decided I was going to name her Booster, because I was crazy into Booster Gold at the time, and the dog was, uh, she was a yellow dog. She was gold-colored, 
So I'm just like, yeah, this is Booster Gold, my dog. So we had, uh, we got Booster, and Booster was, she was a good dog, a good meaning dog. She wasn't mean or anything of that sort, but she was not, I can see now in retrospect, she wasn't really the right dog for us. She was just so high maintenance. She would, um, just bark. Like she would bark nonstop for periods of time, and if you, uh, when you left her alone in the house, the first time we left her alone in the house, like, we went to 7-Eleven or whatever, we came back and she had torn up the couch and knocked over the lamps and just did a ton of damage, and at first we thought we, we thought we'd been robbed. Our house was devastated, I recall. It was just so weird, and then, you know, we figured out the dog did it, and we're like, oh my gosh, what, what do we do? We weren't the, like, now in my life, I'm a, I'm a good dog trainer. I'm an adult, and I've read some books, and I've, you know, I've had, you know, some time to practice. I was a good dog trainer, and, you know, there's like, there's internet resources, and there's all these different ways that you could find out about dogs, when back in the day, it was go to the library, get a book, that was all there was, and, Books are good, but it's nice, you know, to get video and audio and just all these different things we can learn from. And at the time, you know, I just, I was not a good dog trainer. And I could never figure out what to do to get her to stop barking all the time and to always stop tearing stuff up. It was really, she was, you know, a hard, hard pet to deal with. I I would walk her a lot, trying to, you know, burn off her energy. Like I would come home from school and I would... I would take her out immediately and I would try to run and do all kinds of stuff because it seemed to me like, well, if I could tire her out, she would be good. But it was nothing would really work. She was, you know, she was a good, well-intentioned dog. If you could get her to calm down and be with you, she was nice. But she, uh, I couldn't crack the code. I could never crack the code for Booster. We would have these incidents all the time. She was always, uh, she was one of those dogs that was like actively trying to get out of your house. Like, you know, dogs will wander out if they see the gate open and they'll follow you out. But she was, she was actively trying to get out of the house. And when she would get out, she would just, she would run and she was fast, like a lot faster than me. Like she would run like away. Like she was like, I'm out of here. And there were times when I would be chasing her for hours before I could get a hold of her. It just, it wasn't the best relationship. I did I did. I liked her. I thought she was cool. And I wanted her to be, you know, uh, my pal like Babe was. But she was just, just a different dog than uh, Babe was. Australian Shepherds are super smart and they're loyal. And she, she was the wrong dog for us. It was our mistake in picking her. Um, But, you know, we were always kind to her. We took care of her, of course. We did, we absolutely did our best with her. And... As she got older, she kind of calmed down, and she did, she did become, you know, kind of the kind of dog, uh, that we had, had wanted. This was after, this is how long it was, like, this was after I, you know, I'd moved out of my folks' house, and she became, you know, kind of, kind of more chill, not incredibly chill, but chill enough that you could hang with her. You know, we never gave up with, with Booster. We didn't give up, but we could never crack the code. We couldn't crack the code. One time, uh... We, like, my parents had, you know, a, a balcony, like a high balcony, and she broke out, like, she got out, you know, through the screen door. She kind of wiggled her way through the screen and got out on the balcony and jumped off. She just straight up jumped into the grass. She 
somehow, this was a high balcony. Somehow she, you know, escaped, you know, unscathed. She hit the ground, just started running around in circles. It was bananas. We saw her go, and I'm like, I saw her through the window, and I'm like, she's gone. She's dead. She's killed herself. I don't know what's, you know, I can't believe it. But then I, I you know, when I, I peeked down, I couldn't even look. I was too scared. I, when I finally peeked down, she was just running around in circles like a weirdo. Uh, I don't, I don't know how old she lived to be. Booster has since passed on. She was, uh, I was already out of the house. I think she might have been like 12, 13, 14 in that range. She was, she was to the point when she, where she was like old and scraggly, you know, like her hair was starting to fall out and she was kind of gimpy. Eh. So, you know, it's like she went the full cycle of her life where she was, she was heading that way, uh. Booster passed. My parents had a pool, and she, you know, she was walking around the pool, and uh, my dad saw her. He said she just she fell sideways into the pool, and she died. She just fell in, and that was it. Um, they had to call me because they they um they were upset. They needed me to help get her out of the pool, and I did, you know, and we. We buried her in the backyard. We had a, you know, small ceremony and she's still there. We put like a, a big rock on, on top of where she was. She was, I wish that it would have been better than it was with her. But, um, you know, she lived a long life. We got her out of the shelter. Uh, you know, she didn't have to face the ultimate fate while she was in there. You know, she, she had a long life and she was well taken care of. You know, she was fed. She was walked petted, you know, we, we absolutely did, did the best, but we just could never, could never get, get through to her in the way that, uh, we would have uh, wanted to. So that's another dog down. I got a few more left. I hope, I hope you're enjoying this. This is, you know, I feel good getting this out there and I feel good, you know, getting this all recorded. And I know, and you know, if you like dogs, you're probably still in. I hope you stick with me. There's some, there's some interesting tales along the way. Let's take another quick break and we will be back in a sec. That's Jenny, but that's not Jenny's dad. If she gets into that car, that may be the last time you'll see Jenny. I'm McGruff, the crime dog. See those kids? Every day in this country, 60 kids disappear. Some run away, but a lot are kidnapped by strangers, or even by people they know. So write to McGruff and teach your kids to protect themselves. Help uh, take a bite out of crime. That commercial is super disturbing, uh, but McGruff is, he's an important, uh, dog of our youth. He was out there on the streets, you know, trying to fight crime on a, on a real person-to-person level. Here is, here's a story. It's dog-related. Do you remember the trope, the kidnapping trope where the dude would pull up, uh, next to the kids and he would say some kind of sympathetic, sympathetic garbage like... I lost my puppy. Do you guys know where where my puppy might be? Have you seen it? Well, one day I was walking along with my friend Anthony. We were, you know, early uh, junior high. And this guy pulls up next to us in a super sketchy car. Like a car full of garbage and just super sketch. And he goes, hey, you guys, uh, have you guys, have you guys seen a puppy? I lost my puppy. I, I can give a reward if you could help me find my puppy. And I'm just like, 
that's what they do in the McGruff. You know, that's what they do. I'm not even going to fall for this. So I'm just like, I don't know, man, you know, whatever, dude. So I start trying to, like, go across the street to get away from Guy. And my friend Anthony's like, oh, I could help you find your puppy. And I, I run back over and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? That's like, haven't you seen the McGruff? We got to get out of here. This guy's a kidnapper. And he's like, no, he's not. He's lost his puppy. And... He, he, he jumped in the guy's car. I went to grab his arm, but he, like, pulled it free and, you know, got in the guy's car and, they, and he drove away. And I was absolutely certain this was the last time I would ever see Guy. It's like he had kind of absent parents. You know, they were never home. They both worked. So there was nobody to tell. I ran to my house and I told my parents what happened. And I told my mom. She was home. I told her what happens. And nowadays, like, you'd straight up go to the cops, but she's like, well, let's wait a while and we'll see what happens. And I'm, I'm freaking out because this kid, I'm certain he's gone. I'm certain it's like, uh, you know, it's curtains for him. And then like a few minutes later, he showed up at the door of my house. He would hang out at our house mostly because, you know, his parents were gone and he showed up at my house with, you know, 20 bucks. And he's like, yeah, I was driving around with the guy and, uh, I saw a puppy, you know, wandering the street and I ran out, you know, I said, stop, stop. And I ran out and I got it. And he gave me, you know, 20 bucks reward and drove me back home. And I can't like, this story still blows my mind. Uh, anyway, so after Booster passed, I, I wasn't, I wasn't at home anymore. I, you know, I had a small apartment and I was living with, um, I was living with what is now the old wife and, we had a cat, you know, we still had Willie, and we, we didn't, we didn't have the time for a dog. We were out, you know, that's when you're, like, living life to the fullest, you know. We didn't have time for a dog at that time, but we had kind of, we had kind of thought maybe we would get one sometime. But then, I don't know how long we'd been living in this apartment, but then one day, the wife, uh, she shows up at the door, and she has a chihuahua in her arm, and I'm like, what is this? Where'd you get, where'd you get this? And she said she went over to her sister's house and her sister wasn't home, but the kids were home. They, they're a bit, they're a bit troubled. I don't think they're, I don't think they're terrible kids now, but at the time they, they were, you know, they, they had their demons and she went over there to see her sister, but she wasn't home. And, you know, you, she couldn't get it. She knocked on the front door Sometimes they didn't hear you, so you'd always, you'd go around to the back and knock on the back door. So, first front door, then back door, and as she was going through the yard, she, uh, she heard a ruckus. They had a pool, like an, you know, an in-ground pool that was maybe half full. It was dirty. Nobody, if it was full, it was full of rainwater. No one really took care of it. So, she, uh, and she walks by the pool and she hears, a, you know, some noise. So, she, you know, she looks down into it and she sees a chihuahua, like, swimming around, in the pool, like, trying to stay afloat, you know, like, dog paddling, because there was no, they didn't have steps, they had, uh, ladders, there was nowhere for the dog to get out, right, they, the dog was trapped, and it was swimming in the pool, and who knows how long it had, you know, been in there, how long could a dog even swim, so, she, you know, she, um, you know, hung over the edge, and pulled the dog out, and, you know, she went to the door, and, you know, she's like, what's the dog doing in the pool, and the kids are like, oh, you know, we threw her in there, she was, she, you know, she was barking. We were, we were going to come get her later. And, you know, my wife is like, the dog was going to die. The dog is going to die. It's going to drown in there. You know, I can't, I can't believe, you know, what, what was going on there. 
she had been over there before, obviously, and had seen, she'd seen this dog for a while. They were the kind of people who would get a dog and they'd have it for a while and they would, you know, lose interest and end up giving it to, to someone else. You know what I'm talking about. And this one, this was their latest project and my wife had been over there and she'd seen it. She'd seen it running around. She'd seen it cooking out. It was, it was always eating diapers. They had like dirty diapers in the garbage and was always eating diapers. And when she went over this time, it was like, this is the last straw. She's like, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you guys, you know, kill another dog, you know, so to speak. It's not like they would directly do it, but I'm not going to let you, you know, get these dogs, send them back to the pound, do whatever, you know, she's like, I'm taking it. So she, she, uh, she took the dog. She said, I, you know, I'm, I'm out. And she grabbed the dog and she left and she showed up at our place, uh, with, with this chihuahua. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? And she said, I am not giving it back. This dog would have died in the pool. It was, it was going under, it was like in a cartoon where you go under once, one, you know, and twice. And finally the third time you're out. She, she's like, she was already on her third drop. This was it. I am taking this dog. And you know, that's that. And I said, all right, I guess. Um, and they called a couple times saying, could we have the dog back? And she would just say, no, no, you cannot. She's like, you absolutely cannot. You were mistreating that dog and I will not give it back. And after, you know, a couple calls, they stopped calling and she became, she became our dog. Uh, she named her Frida. Frida is actually, uh, half pug and half chihuahua at first she was really thin like a like a chihuahua but then as time passed she got a more and more pug like and now she's um she's barrel shaped with <laughs> with a small head uh we we still have frida frida's still with us she is she is quite old she has had a great life. Um, she's a good dog. She, you know, I would take her for walks every day and she's just a nice, well-mannered, even-tempered dog. At first, she was, you know, she was a bit wild. She had a lot of energy, but, you know, I'd walk her and I would play with her and I would help her burn that energy off. And, you know, she's older now and, um, she, you know, she has almost no energy, but, uh, she has been the leader of the house pack as long as she's been around. At first, it was just her. After a while, you know, I'll talk about, uh, you know, the next dog we get and the next dog. And she's always been the leader of the pack. She, you know, she's really small. She's maybe a foot long, but they don't mess around with her because she, uh, she'll give it back. She, she has a uh, leadership quality. That the other dogs recognize. Frida is super duper duper old at this point. I gotta say, we have, we are waiting for the moment from which she will exit this earth. But, um, we've been waiting for it for years. Uh, that's how old she is. We've been waiting for her to pass for years. And she just does not seem as if she is in any hurry to go. Uh, her overall health is good. 
But, or, you know, at one point she had, she had a stroke and she's lost vision in one of her eyes and she has like a tumor on her stomach that she's developed over the past, maybe the past year we took her in. The vet was like, honestly, I wouldn't risk surgery on this. I don't think that, uh, and I can't guarantee, I can never guarantee, but she's like, I, I don't know how good I feel about putting this dog under and at the time, she's, you know, she kind of, you could tell she's like, well, this dog's going to pass soon anyway. But, uh, she doesn't want to go. Frida will not, uh, Frida will not give up. And I can appreciate that. I mean, who, um, who does want to go? It's not like, you know, I don't know. She doesn't know what's out there. She's like, I, I get fed every day. I get to sleep all day in my bed. And why would she want to go? Why would she be in any hurry? She's a good dog, uh. She's a champion of dogs. You know, she, her and the wife have been connected at the hip since she came home. It was like, Frida acknowledges that we have improved her station. You know, she, she's very loyal to the wife. She, she barks and she does her best to protect us. She's a good dog. Nothing but respect for you, Frida. Uh, let's, uh, let's see. The next... The next dog we got is a dog named Ula. Ula we got from the pound as well. After after many, many, many years, my cat Willie left the earth. You know, she she passed. We had her put in, we buried her in the backyard. And that was really that was hard for me because she lived to be an ancient age as well. You know, one day she just passed in her sleep. She went peacefully, which is nice. And um you know, I I, I, I I was heartbroken. It was it was hard, and I knew I didn't want to get another cat. And after uh, after a certain period of time had passed, you know, and my heart was ready to open up again, I decided, hey, why don't why don't I get a dog? That would be that would be a kick. So we went to the pound again, and we started uh you know trying to find a dog. We went a few times. Without seeing anything that we, uh, that we liked. And then we went and I found a, uh, minpin, a miniature pincer. It was, it was old, but I liked it. And I had decided, I think I'm going to get this dog. And then, you know, I, I went and I told the people that, um, I, you know, I, I'd like to meet the dog in, you know, this, this cage. And they said, fine. They had like an outdoor area where you could hang out with the dog for a while. And I did, I felt as if we, you know, we could connect. And I decided that I, you know, I would get this dog. So I told them that, that I was interested and, you know, they were nice. They're like, okay, you know, let's, let's check out the, you know, the paperwork. And I started filling out the paperwork. And then as we were doing it, this, uh, lady came up and said, Oh, the min pin, the min pin is on hold for somebody else. They're going to come back again tomorrow and check it out. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm, I don't, you know, I don't need to check it out further. I would like to get it now. I am, you know, I'm like a guaranteed sale. They're, they're a maybe sale. You know, maybe they'll get it. Maybe, who knows if they'll show up. And if, the, you know, if they had some kind of like official hold situation, you know, they should have, they should have marked it down. So when I asked for the dog, they could have said, oh, you know, somebody else is actually getting that dog. But I was disappointed, but I didn't, um, I didn't cause a stink or anything. And I still think about that dog from time to time. But, uh, 
we, you know, we kept coming back and finally I saw a dog that I liked, but I decided that at the moment I'm like, I'm not ready to make a final decision. But the next day I said, I think I want to go back and I want to, I want to find that, that dog. I think that I, I liked it. It was small, like 25 pounds, small, short legged, kind of like baggy skin, white dog. And I, I said, that dog was really cool. Let's go. Let's go give it another another look see. And we went back and the dog um the dog wasn't there. We couldn't find it anywhere. It wasn't a big place. It was, you know, like a few rows of cages. So we went and we went up and down and up and down and up and down and we we looked and we could not we you know we could not find the dog. And finally, you know, I went up to the uh to the counter and I kind of, you know, I described it. I said it, you know, it's like this big, it was, you know, even like I could find where the cage was. I'm like, it was in this cage yesterday. And now, you know, the cage is empty. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, maybe the worst, you know, maybe they had, had put her down. And so, you know, I kept asking and asking, and they were being really weird about it. Like they were, you could tell, like they, they, the, they were hiding something. It was very strange, like a very, very weird situation. And you know, I, I got upset, like not angry, but the way they were giving me this weird runaround, finally I had to go, can I talk to a supervisor? I don't do that very often. I don't, like never. I don't want to be that guy. Um, when it comes down to it, the old wife is the bad cop and I am the good cop when it comes to customer service situations. If somebody needs to be sweet talked, I can sweet talk them. If, they, if she needs to get tough, she can get tough, but she's not so good on the sweet talk. And I'm, I'm not good on the tough. I'm good with the, hi, how are you? Can we, you know, can we da, 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 da. I'm good at it, but I had to, you know, I had to get, I had to get rough and let me talk to the supervisor. So they brought somebody out, kind of an official looking, you know, older guy with, you know, we had like a, like a proper, like one of those nylon-y kind, not nylon, kind of like a polyester sort of shirts, you know, the work shirts with the, like a sewn on patch. He seemed like he was he was the guy and he's like, what's going on here? He did not want to be bothered with this. And I, I told him there's something weird going on. And they're giving me a bit of a runaround. This dog was in, you know, this cage here yesterday. And I just, I wanted to check it out. And I told him how, you know, there was this whole weird thing with this min pin and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, that is weird. Let's, uh, you know, we didn't, you know, they're, they're, we didn't do any executions. So the dog should just be here somewhere. So, you know, let, let me look. And he goes in the, like the back and he's gone for a while. He's, you know, he's gone for, you know, a good 15 minutes and he comes out with the dog. He comes out with the dog on a leash and he goes, I don't know what's going on here. He's like, you know, I apologize for all this. He's like, the dog was in the back bathroom. The dog was in the employee bathroom, you know, shut in there. He's like, I, I apologize. I don't, you know, I don't know what it was doing in there. It's very peculiar. And, you know, do you want to go and like meet with the dog privately? You know, do you want to go like into the, the play area? And I said, yeah, I do. Thank you. I really appreciate you, um, doing this and, you know, finding, finding this dog for me. So I went and I played with her and I really felt like this is, this, something's weird going on. I'm like, I, I need the, I want to get this dog. I need to get this dog out of here. So I told him I wanted to, you know, get it. And I, you know, I, I, the supervisor was still out. Like he was still out and about. You could see he was like, 
what's going on? Why is this happening? You know, you could see that there was something afoot. So when I asked for the paperwork, they didn't give me the runaround this time. You know, I paid the fees. I did all this stuff. And they're like, okay, come back in a few days. And, you know, you know, we'll have the dog spayed and we'll get the shots and you can pick her up. So I came back on the day that I was supposed to and they said that she wasn't ready yet. She wasn't ready to go. And I, ah, it seemed very peculiar, but I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to cause a problem because I just, I didn't, I didn't want anything to happen. So I said, okay, I will, uh, I will call tomorrow to see if I should come back. And I did call, like I said, that I would. And they, they were like, well, she's still, you know, she's still a bit woozy. She's not ready to go. And this was, I know how things work at the bed. They want them out as quick as possible. You know, it's not, it's not like you're right. They, they want you out. And this was, you know, it was getting, getting weird. And finally we had to go back down there and just go, what's, you know, what is going on here? What's, what's the deal? And I asked talk to the supervisor dude again and he came out and you know he said you know he talked to him like you could see it was, it was very weird I remember the whole thing was very peculiar you could see how he, he was talking to them and they were like blah, blah 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 back and forth and finally he's like come back tomorrow this time you can have the dog and I did and I remember I grabbed her and jammed out of there as quick as I could and this is one thing I remember I went, and when I went to ask for, the, you know, for them to release her to me, the lady goes, you are aware that having a dog is a privilege. It's not a right. And I said, yeah, I, I fully know, but you guys are being weird. And I got her and I jammed out of there. I could remember being in the car and I'm just like, hit it. And we, we headed for the hills and we got her home and I named her Ula and I loved her a lot. I loved her with all my heart. She was my dog for... She was my dog for many, many years. We we would go for walks every day. She was she was a two-a-day walker. She liked to go in the morning and she liked to go at night. She was a nice dog. She was very kind, very nice to me. She didn't take to other people as well as some other dogs do. She she didn't like other dogs. Her and Frida would fight all the time. It was very weird because Frida's so small and, you know, Ula was like twice her size, but they would fight all the time. But it wasn't like ruthless fighting. It was just like face to face, like gah, 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 gah. you know how dogs do. They're kind of jaw jacking, not really fighting. And usually Frida would come out on top because Frida has just this dominant personality. She still jaw jacks with the dogs and comes out on top. Uh, let's, uh, you know, let's take another quick pause. I need to rest up my voice, my precious voice. I'm uh, getting tired from all this dog talk. Let's, uh, let's head into a commercial about another one of my favorite aspects of dogs: hot dogs. What kind of kids eat armor hot dogs? Fat kids, skinny kids, kids who climb on rocks. Hot kids, busy kids. Even kids with chicken pox love hot dogs. Armor hot dogs. Dude, I will tell you what. I fully love hot dogs. I think hot dogs are so great. Here, uh, here's a secret. A secret about me. Me and the dogs have hot dogs for lunch all the time. If I'm home, I'll always like, uh, 
you know, hot dogs like a good, easy, quick thing. You know, you grill it up real quick on you know a frying pan, and uh, you know, it's it's just super quick, super easy, and you go. You get some protein, you get some carbs from the bun, you know, you can put some cheese on it. It's just delicious. And whenever I make one up for myself, I'll make one or two up for the dogs and then we can all uh, have hot dogs for lunch. As a matter of fact, when I'm at the grocery store, if I see like hot dogs on sale, I'll buy them because I think they make really good dog treats. You can just like slice them up and, you know, chuck them to them. They, they like it, I guess. They're not complaining. So, uh... Anyway, we had Ula for years and years and years. She was, she was a terrific dog. She was smart. She was well-behaved, well-mannered. Um, just nothing really wrong with her except her temper. But then one day, Frida, like her health, took a turn for the worst. This must have been around the time she had her stroke. Uh, it was like... She just rapidly declined one day. It was like she went from 85% to, you know, 50% in in a course of a day. And we we thought it was near the end. And the uh the old wife came up with this kind of an idea that does that does, you know, it's an effective idea. She said, you know. Ula's a really good dog, and I think a part of the reason why she's such a good dog is because Frida's always here whipping her into shape. Now, it does appear as if Frida's going to be leaving us soon, so why don't we, why don't we get another dog that can intern under Frida, and maybe it will turn out as good as Ula? Like, why don't we get her, you know, just an understudy? And I, I said, you know, that's not the worst idea in the world. So we started hitting up the shelters again. And before too long, you know, we found a dog that we uh, really liked. She was a like 20 pound uh, red healer, which is like a Australian shepherd. She's short hair. She's red and, you know, orange. She has spots and... We decided to get her. Before we got her, the people at the shelter said, well, why don't you bring the two dogs you have? And then the dogs can meet up and see how they get along. And we we, we brought them, and everything seemed fine. They didn't fight. They kind of sniffed at each other. Um, Frida and her got along well. Ula was a bit standoffish, but she didn't fight her. She was just standoffish. So we decided this might be the one because... I'd had such good experiences with uh, Babe in the past. So, you know, it's like this kind of Australian dog was something I was into. Uh, this dog was pretty much the red version of uh, Babe's blue color. So we got her and we brought her home. And then as soon as we got her home, things turned out not all that great. It became it became a real uh, tense situation around the house. Her... And Ula didn't give along. We get along. We named this new dog Ursa. Ursa is a name I'd kind of had in the can for a while. I thought um, I thought Ula and Ursa sounded like a nice pair. And I'd been thinking maybe at some point I would use this dog name. So when I got her, she became, you know, a perfect Ursa. Um, she really was the understudy. Um, I would try to walk them both, but it didn't really work that great. So I would end up, you know, walking uh, Ula because that's where my loyalty lied. At this point, 
we thought that Ursa was going to be a dog for my wife. My wife would spend a lot of time with her, you know, working with her, training her. And she was really smart. And she takes she takes to commands like this. You know, she's a really good dog. Um, she can do all sorts of tricks. But her and Ula just did not get along. I kind of think, and, this, you know, this is just me putting human feelings on an animal. I think that she thought that Ursa was here to replace her. Because they were just similar in size, similar in just every way. I think she thought, this dog is going to be the one that gets rid of me. And one day, we went to the flea market. And sometimes, Ursa would come with us, Ula rather, would come with us to the flea market. And we were getting ready to bring her with. But, you know, we had kind of a situation. I don't remember exactly what it was. But she was being a bit difficult that day. And I wanted to hurry over there. So I said, you know... If you're going to be a pill, you can just stay home. So we all went to the flea market and when I came home, I remember, I can remember this day just so distinctly. I I opened the door and there was blood everywhere. There was blood on the walls. There was blood on the floor. The furniture was ransacked. It was, it was like a murder scene and I could I started hearing some whimpering in in the back of the house so you know I I ran back there to see you know you know I I needed to see what was going on so I ran back there and um Ula was in my office she was curled up in her dog bed and she was just covered in blood she was soaked in blood there was blood everywhere I did not have I couldn't figure out what happened um and then Ursa came in the room and, you know, she had blood all over her face. She was just covered in blood. And I I just, gosh, I can remember this day. I, I grabbed, you know, I grabbed uh, Ula up and I wrapped her in a blanket really tight. And we ran, you know, to the car and we went to the, to the vet. And um, the vet saw her and at first he was really, you know... He was totally freaked out and it's hard to tell this story. I apologize. I'm pausing so much, but he was, he was really, you know, he's really freaked out. But once he got her in the back and, you know, he, he, he cleaned her off and he, he, he told us that the wounds were bloody, but they were all superficial because she had, you know, like dangling skin, you know, she had like skin, baggy skin, like a Sharpay, uh, you know, there were, there were punctures in it. And, you know, there's a lot of blood flow from the punctures. Like, they were fighting, and Ursa must have got a hold of her skin. And there was a lot of blood, but there wasn't any, you know, major, major wounds. You know, there wasn't, like, broken veins or anything dangerous like that. It was just, you know, a bad scene. But he ended up keeping her for a few days. You know, he stitched her up. And it this was really hard because that was, that was my dog. That was my girl. I loved her. And... It was hard to accept Ursa in the house after this, but I also know that more than likely, more likely than not, it was Ula who started the fight. Ula liked to fight. When I would take her out for walks, she would be aggressive toward other dogs. I had to steer away from other dogs. She just, uh, she was aggressive toward other dogs, and I know she started the fight, and... 
I think that it's just a situation where she messed with somebody who was younger and faster and just, you know, more more of a dangerous beast than her. And she got the worst of it. And that that can happen. It's like people can fight. Dogs can fight. It's not it's not something you can hold against them forever. So, you know, I, I did my best to put it out of my mind, but um, it was tough. And eventually, eventually she came home to us, but within a year or so, she passed away. She had a kidney failure. When we got her, she was already, you know, she was already, you know, five or so. And we'd had her for many years and it was just her time to go. But I can't help but think that that fight you know, took a lot out of her, but I know, I know in my heart that she started the fight because she was being a real pill that afternoon. And when we left her to go to the flea market, I just, I, I think she attacked Ursa. I, that's really honestly what I think. I think that she got mad, started a fight and she just wasn't willing to let it go. And she ended up getting the worst of it because she was old and Ursa was young and Ursa is a great dog athlete. You know, she can jump, she can run, she's fast. But in all the years I've had Ursa since, she's never had a fight. She's never gotten into a fight. She's never growled at a dog ever. She's never done anything like that. She she enjoys seeing other dogs. She wants to play with other dogs. We eventually, you know got another dog that I will talk about uh, that's the final dog but she's never fought with this dog they eat sometimes in the same plate like they will have their faces in the same bowl and neither one growls or neither one does anything they don't Ursa doesn't fight she doesn't like to fight and maybe that battle was so fierce that she decided she never wanted to do it again but knowing what I know and knowing that Ula was a bit on the aggressive side I have no choice but to think that she started it and it did uh eventually I forgave Ursa. I couldn't but not because I remember um the day that that Ula died. It was we got her back from the vet. And she had kidney failure and they didn't think there was a lot they could do for her. Um they, you know, they gave her an IV and they did all this stuff, but they said, you know, she must be part Sharpe because of her dangly skin and Sharpe's have kidney failure. And that's just, this is what eventually is going to kill her. And we brought her home just to make her as comfortable as we could and to be with her. But she did eventually pass. And I was, uh, I was just absolutely heartbroken. You know, I said it a bunch of times, but every time a dog passes, your heart is broken. But really... You have to think going in, this, you know, this friend of mine is going to have a much shorter life than me. All I can do is I can take every minute that I have with them and make the most of it. I can do that. But I do know that they're not going to be around as long as me. And I have to accept that fact. And eventually, you know, you do come to accept it. But at the time, man, it's heartbreaking. And I was heartbroken. I was devastated because she was... Almost literally my best friend. She was, you know, who I spent the most time with. Like, we would go for super long walks. She loved to walk. Like, 
she couldn't walk enough. Like, as far as I wanted to go, she was more than happy to go. I remember after after she had the kidney issues, I said to myself, I want to take her for, you know, one one last walk. I want to just one more time. We'll go around the short blocks and we'll just come back. I just want one more walk. And we got out the door and she just turned right back toward the house. She couldn't do it. And uh, I knew at that moment that she was gone. But I remember one day I was I was sitting on the couch and, you know, I'll, I'll admit it, I was crying. I was crying because... You know, because she died, I was hurt. I was crying. What do you want me to say? So, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm in tears. And Ursa came up to me and she stood, you know, next to me and she put her hands on my legs and she stood up and got her face close to mine and she licked my face. And she was just like, I could see it in her, in her eyes. She's like, I know she's gone, but I'm here. You know, I'm here for you. And... At that moment, she became my new dog. She became, um, you know, my new best friend. And, it, you know, it was sad, but it really, it helped me get over my loss having somebody there who wanted to be with me. She had been the understudy. One thing we did with her that we hadn't done with other dogs, she had a lot, a lot of energy when we got her. And we read some things about, you know, crate training. So every night when we'd go to sleep, we'd put her in the crate. And she'd sleep in the crate. And when we'd go out... Generally, we'd put her in the crate. So the day they got into the fight, uh, we didn't put her in the crate. So I do take a lot of the blame for that myself because we were just annoyed and we wanted to leave. And I should have managed the situation better and it, it just it turned out bad. But I remember after, you know, after um, Ula wasn't with her anymore, there was finally a day where, you know, I put her in the crate and I looked over and I, I just said... I thought to myself, you're the dog now. You're the dog. Um, so, And I, 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 you know, I opened the crate door and she jumped in bed and she slept on the foot of the bed with us. And she, it was weird because she was supposed to be Frida's understudy. And Ula thought that she was going to be her understudy and didn't like her. And it turned out she was right because that's what happened, I guess. But she's moved up into the position of being, you know, my dog. And I love her with all my heart. She's the best. She's so smart. She's so great. Like, I've taught her to do a bunch of cool tricks. She can jump through hoops. I have a hula hoop and she'll jump through it. Um, we have a, a routine where she'll jump through the hoop, land on a chair, jump from the chair onto the table, down to another chair, down through the hoop to the floor. She can do all sorts of fun stuff. She's just, she's super smart. In the morning... When I go out to get the newspaper, I can hand it to her and she'll put it in her mouth and she'll walk it over to the table and drop it. That's an easy command. You uh, you start with take it. This is how you teach a dog to fix. You start with take it. Take, take, take. And you get something and you try to get them to hold it in their mouth. And once she got take, she never lost it. It's not something we practice all the time, but I'll you know give her the paper, go take it. And she just takes it and she walks away. And this is cute. She's a great dog. I have to walk her twice a day. I walk her once in the morning. When I get up and then once again later in the evening, uh, she likes it. She likes walking. She has a lot of energy. She is, she's the best, um, I hate to say this. I hate to like rate, you know, people that I've lived with and loved, but, uh, she's the best dog I've ever had. It's, she's great. I love her so much. You know, she's just absolutely my, you know, my closest friend. Um, so we still got her. We still got Frida. They get along great because 
Ursa's really big on chain of command. You know, she's really big on chain of command. She accepts that even though Frida is old and decrepit, she still outranks her. Like, for example, Ursa will never eat until Frida's done eating. But um, here's another one. This will be the final dog, and I'll try to keep it brief because we're already over an hour. And <laughs> that's, that's a lot of dog talk, and my throat is uh, is starting to hurt. But uh, one day, my sister-in-law, this is a different one. She's a vet tech. She comes over, and she says, I have a dog, and I want to know if you guys can foster her. Um, somebody found her in the dump, and they brought her to us, and we, you know, we... We've shaved her. She's clean. We just, can you, can you foster her for a while? We don't have anywhere for her to go. And I, I said, sure. You know, I'm a nice guy. I said, not a problem. I can take care of the dog. So she brought it in. She had it outside in a, you know, cage. And it was a small, like a poodle sort of dog, like a poodle mix, maybe four or five pounds. So small and so skinny and just shaved you know, she showed me a picture of her before, and she was a giant, like, cotton ball with garbage in it, like, wood chips and garbage. Like, knowing what I know now about how often we have to give her a haircut, she must have been out there for, like, half a year. She looked like, she looked like a sheep when in these pictures, and... She was so small and so skinny, and my heart immediately just went out to her, and I said, I'll just keep her. If you guys, uh, you know, uh, I'll just keep her. Don't worry. Because um, she was just so small, and she just, she needed help. She needed help really bad, and I'm just like, I'll keep her. Don't even worry. Um, I don't have to foster her. You've you found a home for her, and she lives with us now, her her name is Dr. Jones. We named her Joan Jones. She's Dr. Joan Jones. She is now up to maybe eight pounds. She's just really small. She's really skinny. Uh, she's just naturally that way, but she's healthy. She's happy. She is Ursa's best friend. Her and Ursa played together constantly. The day we brought her home, or the day she came to us after getting fixed, because, you know, she took her... She's like, you guys want to, you guys want to keep her? I'll get her fixed. Uh, I'll get it done and I'll bring her back. And she was happy she didn't have to go through a process of finding her. So she took her that night to get her fixed, you know, as soon as she could. So we could just have her back. And when she came back, uh, I remember, you know, I, I wanted to introduce her to Ursa and I knew it would go well because Ursa is really friendly. And I put them, you know, near each other and Ursa started rolling her around with her snout, like, are you even real? Like, what are you? You're so small. And she was rolling her around and smelling her everywhere. But uh, immediately after that, they started playing and they started hanging out. And Dr. Jones just lit up as soon as we got her in. She just became the happiest, friendliest dog, you know. I remember, like, the first week she was here, I was feeding her just ham. Like, nonstop ham. She was so hungry. Just ham and water. Ham and water. And I'd give her milk. You know, bowls of milk, and eventually, you know, she got to her proper weight, and now she's, she is the best. Uh, just a truly great, truly happy, truly fun dog. She, um, you know, I, I spend time with her, of course, I love her, I take care of her, we both love her. If anything, she's a shared dog, but she does, she sleeps on the wife's side of the bed, so I think that 
probably means that she belongs to her, but I don't, you know, I, I love her too. So we, we, we all get along. We're all one happy dog family. Me, Frida, Ursa, and Dr. Jones, and the wife, and 2.0 all live together in dog harmony. I know, I know Dr. Jones isn't getting as much time as some of the other dogs, but on a scale, she's relatively new. She's been here a year and thereabouts. So she doesn't, uh, she's still developing her personality, I think. Um, you know, she's sweet as the day is long, but she's getting her own personality. You know, she's learning about being Dr. Jones, like who Dr. Jones is, but she's happy to be here. We're happy to have her. And I hope that, I hope you got something out of this. Uh, if you like dogs, I, I hope you enjoy hearing some dog stories. If you're not into dogs, consider getting one because they can really, really, really have a positive effect on your life. They will they will give you things you didn't even know that you needed. There's just so much, so much love in a pet. But uh I'm gonna uh I'm gonna take it out of here. I think that I think we've got enough dog talk. This is I think this is the longest episode of anything I've ever recorded on my own, but, um, yeah, I can't imagine you need to hear a lot about dogs more than you have heard already, but, uh, got a dope outro song by my man Kevin Zerb from over at Zerbinatorland, uh, check him out if you don't already, but I imagine you do, because, I don't know, man, he's the best, he does, like, a million shows, and they're all fantastic, everything from, uh, Please Stand By to his new one, the Pastor and the Pappy with, uh, everybody's pal Doug McCoy, He's the best. You can find him over at Zerbinator Land. He, Google it. Uh, so this is me, Icy Robot, signing off This Boring Life, episode number one, Dogs. This has been an IC Robots Radio production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported podcasting system. Please consider becoming a show patron. We can't do this without you. Head on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. You can make a huge difference for as little as a dollar a month. Thanks for your time.